0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Um, If you don't have your Bibles, the scripture we're looking at is on page 6 in your bulletin. There's also a place to take notes on page 7. We're going to just be looking at Matthew 6, verse 24 this morning. But we're going to start our reading in verse 19 so we catch the context and see what Jesus has been saying up to this point. So this is Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money." So we are in a series called Gospel Giving, and we're talking about how the good news of Jesus affects the way that we use our money. Um, and we've said week, uh, every week that Jesus doesn't talk about money because he wants to manipulate us. Okay, Jesus talks about money because he loves us. Okay, that's why he talks about money. He knows many of us worry about money and our lives are controlled by it. And if you don't believe that you are controlled by money, I want to show you something this morning. Okay, this is a short article on the fullness of the gospel. Okay, you can't read it from where you are, so don't try. The the point isn't that you read this, okay? Um, I just want you to see this. And when you look at this article visually, if you're like me, this looks full, right? It looks busy. Um, It looks detailed. Uh, In in one way, uh, when I look at this, I feel the pressure of the author to fit everything onto this one page. Are you with me? I showed this to Lainey this morning. She's like, ooh. Um, And uh, this is just, it's, it's got a problem visually, right? It's not appealing because it has no margins, right? There's no margins here, right? This is completely full up to the edges, And so I want to show you the exact same article with margins. Okay? Looks different. Same article. Exact same font size. Exact same words. But in this article, in this version of the article, we have healthy margins. Okay? Um, There's a science behind margins. Okay? Marketing departments know this. Um, Visual designers know this. Uh, Layout, folks. Margins keep text and graphics from falling off the page. Okay? Um, Margins provide a buffer zone. Okay? They actually give your eyes a break or a resting place. Okay? Margins bring simplicity and include places of rest. Right? Look at them together. They give your eyes a resting place. They bring about simplicity and create um, space. We're not just talking about articles anymore, we're talking about life. Jesus talks about money because Jesus knows that so many of us have no financial margins in our lives. Okay, Jesus knows that financially many of your lives look like this. Okay, the way that you spend your money, you are spending right up to the edge of your income. Some of you are living over the edge. You make decisions and you spend your money, but you have no buffer. Right? There's no break. There's no space for rest. And I know some of you are a flat tire or an oil leak away from going into credit card debt. Right? Some of you are already carrying credit card debt and you feel it growing slowly because you can't make the payments. This is why Jesus talks about money. He talks about money because he knows we struggle with financial margin and he wants to set us free. Jesus wants to call us back from the edge. And he wants us to build financial margin into our lives. How would you like to have financial peace? How would you like to have rest financially? That's what Jesus offers. Okay? And as we've said each week, this passage where Jesus talks about money, it's part of the whole Bible's teaching on money. Okay, and the Bible teaches that there's four ways that you can spend your money that will help you experience God and actually will give you the financial margin that you need so you can have rest and space in your lives. Okay, they're in your bulletin down there on the bottom of page six, but they're here up as well. God says if you want financial margin, this is how you need to use your money. You need to tithe 10% to the church. You need to provide Use your money to provide for your needs. Then you want to use your money to care for the needs of others. And then finally, you can celebrate God's goodness and his abundance in your life. When you spend your money in these four ways, you actually form categories in your thinking that will enable you to live with financial margin and the peace and the rest that it brings. Okay? Okay. And we're going to begin to talk about this idea of margin today. We're going to finish it next week. So as the more I started thinking about this, the more it just sort of exploded, right? This is a huge, huge issue. And I think it's a really helpful way to think about this. Um, in our passage, Jesus has been explaining why it's so difficult for us to live with financial margin. It's, it's so challenging not to push to the edge. And, and so we've seen, first, that money doesn't last Verses 19 and 20. We've seen also last week that money consumes your life. In Verses 21 to 23. Today we're going to see that money competes with God. Okay? Money competes with God. That's verse 24. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the verse is straightforward, but there's one thing that you need to know about this verse that will change the way that you think about money. Okay, there's one thing, and it's the last word in this verse. Okay, it's the word. It's translated money in our translations, and some of you may have a footnote. You might have a footnote. My, my footnote is number six. Um, that this actually isn't the normal word that's used for money in the New Testament. Okay, it's. Actually, in Greek, it's the word mammon. Mammon. Some of the older translations still translate it that way. The King James, the New American Standard, some of these translations, and um, I think for just ease of understanding, you know, because the point is made that you can't serve God in money. We kind of get that. But the word mammon in this case is really important. It's really important because in the ancient Near East, Mammon wasn't just a way to describe wealth. Mammon was the name of the God of wealth. Okay, Mammon was the name of the God of wealth. And so in Jesus' discussion of money and treasures in this passage, he ups the ante. Right? He turns the heat up because he shows us that our struggles with money, they're not just neutral struggles in how we should spend it. Okay? Our struggle is a spiritual one. Okay? Our struggle is a spiritual one because there is a spiritual force behind money that wants to control us. Okay? All the false gods of the ancient Near East Um, The New Testament says they have evil forces behind them, okay? Sometimes uh, the Bible says that, you know, false gods are nothing. They're just, they're, they're nothing. They're these dumb idols, right? They can't do anything. And then there's other places where the Bible says that, no, no, behind these false gods, there are evil spiritual forces that want to control us. And so there is a spiritual force behind money that does this. This is a false God that takes us away from the true God. Okay, so Jesus is saying you can't serve two gods. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve the true God and serve the false God, right? That's number one in God's top 10 list, right? You will have no other gods before me, no other gods. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And so when you realize that Jesus is saying you cannot serve God and mammon, then you realize something about the nature of this spiritual force. Okay, I want to just reword verse 24. Mammon, the God of money, from this verse, wants to be served, wants to be loved, and wants our devotion You see that in this verse? You can't serve two masters. Hate the one and love the other. Devoted to one, despise the other. And don't you feel this? I mean, don't you feel that your financial lives are, like there's something behind it? Don't you feel like there's something more than just decisions? I mean, this pressure to to revolve your life around money. Right, I think we all feel this. We all feel this. We're going to talk about this because how does mammon appeal to us? Mammon has a gospel message. Mammon offers salvation. It offers happiness to you. And do you know how it woos us? Mammon's message to us? Really, really simple. More. This is the message of the false God that is behind your money. That's behind the financial decisions that you struggle to make. More. 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 You just need more. And this message comes in different ways. right? You'll be happy if you have more money. You'll be happy if You have this thing that money can buy. It's the constant message. Come on, you can get more. Come on, you can do this. You can earn more. You can spend more. This is the key to being happy. You just need more money. It's important for you to understand that this is the message. Because you have to know That when mammon calls, when the spiritual forces that use money for evil call, it is never satisfied. Okay? It is never satisfied. It will never stop saying this to you. Ever. Ever. It will always ask you for more. You will never have enough for it to stop telling you that you need more. You can say, I have the stuff I need. And it will say, yeah, but you can get something better. Can't you? How's your TV? How's your phone? How's your computer? How's your car? How's your wardrobe? How are your sunglasses? Right? Come on. You can get more. I mean, This is the message of mammon. This is the message that you face, that I face, just every day of our lives. It is never, ever going to stop asking you to get more. You can say, look, I have a lot of money, but do you have enough? Right? You need more. How's your savings account? And then you think about that, and then you say, well, wait, I have money in the bank. Well, you need more. How's your retirement account? Well, I have a retirement account. Well, you need more. Do you have enough in your retirement account? How do you know what's going to happen when you retire? What if? Right? And always, 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 it's asking us for more. And let me just, let me tell you this. Mammon, the spiritual forces behind money, it is an abusive father. Okay it is like some of you have fathers who are never satisfied no matter how good you did they always wanted more they always they always poked out the areas that were bad that's what that's what money will do to you that's what mammon will do to you it will never be satisfied until your whole life is consumed until it affects every area of your life right thinking back over this passage until your heart and your eyes are completely fixed on money and the stuff it buys. That's what it's after. That, that's why, this is what you feel. Okay? Jesus is putting words to this feeling that you've had in your life for as long as you can remember. Now you know why. It's because there is an abusive, never satisfied, evil spiritual force that uses money to try to control you. That's what Jesus is telling us. This is a false God. This is a false God. And every time you give into it, every time you choose to believe this message, and so you make that purchase because you feel like you need more, because you feel like you'll be happy if you have more, every time you give into this message, The margins in your life shrink. This is what happens to a life that believes in the gospel of more. Are you with me? We start out without a care in the world, right? And you think about the way kids just think about... I mean, they give away money. And you're like, wait, wait, hold on. You shouldn't... Wait, now, okay, I want you to be generous, but you really need to think wisely about this, right? I mean, this is, children know this better than we do, and yet as they grow up, right, we get pushed because you know what? We need more. And we fill up our lives. And it goes to the edge, closer and closer and closer. For so many of us, we're over the edge. Okay, so let me ask a question that you might be thinking. Um, does this mean that money is evil? Is money evil? Biblically speaking, no, it's not. It's not evil. City Bible reading, if you're doing it, this week you would say, no, 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 I know it's not because I read something in Deuteronomy this week. Let me show it to you. Deuteronomy 8, 18. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. It's interesting. So wealth is not bad. Money is not evil. So what gives? What's the deal? Well, 1 Timothy 6.10, look what it says. Here's the secret. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It's like they've shot themselves with arrows and their lives show it. And so it's the love of money. It's devotion to money and to more that draws people away from God. And isn't this exactly what Jesus is saying in our text? He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other. He'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so Jesus talks about money because he knows what it's like for us to live. He, just under, he understands what our margins are or aren't. This is why he talks about it. It's because he cares. He's not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to manipulate you. God wants to set you free from this. And so how can we? how can we be set free from the love of money? How can we rebuild financial margins in our lives? Well, God's taught us. God has taught us how to do this. And when we spend our money the way God has taught us, then our money actually becomes an opportunity for us to worship him. Okay, so instead of competing with God, when we follow his ways, money can actually enable us to worship him. Okay, so let's go back to our list. Right, when you tithe 10% to your church, you're saying, God, I worship you first and foremost in my life. That you are my God. Everything belongs to you. That's what the tithe symbolizes. Right, you give 10%, it's representative of the whole. It's the first fruits. you give that to God, and so you are worshiping God when you tithe. And then second, when you provide for your needs. You provide for your needs because God has given you the power to create wealth, to, to, to earn wealth, to gain wealth, right? When we work and then use that money to provide for our needs, we're worshiping God because that's why he's given us the power. He's given us the power to work so we can earn money so that we can provide for our needs. And we've said that God provides through, for us through our work. And so when you spend money to provide for your needs, you are worshiping God because you're following his ways. Third, when you spend money to care for others, you are a living demonstration of God and his love. Right? You honor God by looking like him. You manifest, you display the image of God in your life as you provide for someone who can't provide for themselves. That's called a miracle. And then fourth, when you celebrate God's goodness in life, then you are worshiping God as a God of abundance who gives us more than we need. When you spend money on things you don't need, you are honoring or you have the opportunity to spend that money and worship a God who gives you beyond what you need. And so in these ways, our money is exalts God. Okay, and this is why money's not evil, right? Money just represents the choices that we make with what to do with what we've gotten. And so if you spend your money in these ways, you exalt God, right? God gets higher and higher and fuller and fuller a part of your life. And I think this pattern it builds financial margins into your life. Because when you think about your money this way, you will actually learn. I mean, just from the get-go, you can, when you do this, you're making a decision to live off of 90% of your income. So you're making a statement that says, you know what, just from, the, from out of the box, I am going to create a 10% margin in my life, okay? I'm choosing to live on 90% of my income. Right, right there, you prove to yourself. And, and this is what's interesting, because I know how hard this can be. I know that when you're overdrawn, or when you're at the edges, or over the edges, you think, man, there's no way out. I just, I'm stuck. Um, can I prove to you that there is a way out? Like, let me prove to you that you all can move no matter where you are. You can, you can do this. And I know this because of when our government raises taxes. Okay? When taxes go up, you still live. Right? When taxes go up, you still find a way to make it work. Right? It's kind of interesting. When, you're ta- when we have to pay more in taxes, we figure it out. Like the sales tax goes up. Gas prices go up. Well, we're still driving cars, right? And you might say, well, no, I'm not driving cars anymore. Like, I can't drive my car. I can't drive it as much. And I totally get that. And you know what? That's part of the decisions that we make. And it just proves that when there are constraints put on us, we can do this. We can do this. And so God wants you to live this way. He wants you to learn how to live with margin. Um, He knows you can do it. And he calls you to do it. And so, yeah, this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus, and we're going to talk about this again in more detail next week. But Jesus is inviting us back from the edges to build margin into our lives. Um, Now, look, if you feel like, okay, yeah, yeah, but taxes aren't being raised. I don't know how to do this. If you need help with this, please let us know. Okay, we have resources. We also have a class that we want to offer to anybody that's interested in taking it, that can help you build financial margin into your lives. Um, One way to let us know, you can come talk to me, you can talk to Michael, talk to one of the elders, you can fill out this connection card. Just say, hey, I want to sign up for this financial class because I really need help, or please send me some more resources on this. Um, And so we will help because you are not called to do this on your own, right? You can't do this on your own. I couldn't do this on my own. Um, I needed someone to help show me the way uh, to, to live with margin. Um, and, but the other thing is, the other thing that if you feel like you can't do this, the other thing I want you to remember is I want you to remember the blessing of regeneration. Okay? Uh, we've looked at how justification affects giving, adoption affects giving. Well, remember that if you're trusting in Jesus, then God has done spiritual surgery on your heart, And God is making you new inside. Okay, God is giving you, um, he's setting you free from being enslaved to mammon or to money. He set you free and God has given you a new heart. He's taken out your old heart. There's a part of you that loves money. There's a part of you that is drawn and very affectionately tied in with stuff. God has killed that part of you on the cross of Jesus. And he has caused you to be born again. And the new self, your new heart that God has put in you, that new heart loves God more than mammon. That new heart doesn't want to be enslaved to anything that is not God. And so if you feel like God has been speaking you today, right, where you feel like, wow, this makes sense to me. Wow, I really do want this. Well, that is God awakening your heart and your mind. It's because he's regenerated you. He has made you new. That's why this makes sense to you. That's why you want this with God for yourselves because God's given you a new heart and a new mind. And so for us, the, the, the truth, the gospel blessing of regeneration, um, it, it comes together with a word from Jesus from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. And we looked at this um, back in June when we preached on regeneration. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you remember, you might not remember, but when we preached on this text, I talked about how we are called to work out what God works in. Okay, in regeneration, God makes us new, makes us brand new. We get the heart of Jesus, the mind of Jesus, the strength and the character and the resolve of Jesus. And God gifts that to us. We don't do anything to earn it. It's free. It's God's extravagant grace. But then God says, I want you to work out now what I have worked in. And so Jesus, he wants you to walk in this. He wants you to use your money the way God has designed. Right? That's what it means in this area of your life, to work out your salvation. Right? Because God has set you free, and he's told us how we can build financial margin into our lives using money in these four ways. Um, let me just think about an illustration uh, In June, when I was preaching on regeneration, I also started something else. I started a program to uh, increase the number of pull ups I could do. Um, There are some military guys that I know, and they were talking about doing pull ups, and one of them said, Oh, yeah, yeah, there's this website out there that will show you this amazing pull up program, and in eight weeks, you can do 20 pull ups. I'm like, Sign me up for that. I hate pull ups. I have never, ever been able to do pull ups. Okay, when I was a kid in school, physical fitness tests, I couldn't even do the pull-up thing. I'd have to, they, they gave this you another chance, you could just hang there, right? If you could hold yourself up, do you remember this? I don't know if you do, but, um, but I was in high school, junior high, or actually it was elementary school, I think. But like, so I'm just hanging there for dear life and just trying to like, I could never, ever do pull-ups. Just never, ever. And so, um, so I started this program back in June, right? Interesting that it was when we did this series on regeneration, because I had this thought, okay, well, um, you know, in eight weeks, I'll do, I could do anything for eight weeks, okay, because five days a week, and this is a different routine every, every, every one of these five days. And so when I started, I could, do, I could barely do two pull-ups, okay? So I could get myself once, and then it was like, Aah! and Ryan would tell me, Dad, you didn't make it. Your chin didn't <laughs> get high enough. So I think I could do two, barely. Um, I think if you asked him, he'd say I could do one. So today, today, so months later, I'm at the tail end of this. I can now do five pull-ups. I know you're hoping I can do 20. I know. I know. I know. No, I'm still along. I think I'm going to have to add another eight weeks. Um, But but, so seriously, I can do five pull-ups now. And for the first time in my life, I was telling Michael this, um, I actually did a wide grip pull-up. You know, like, there's a different kind of set of your muscles back there. I could never even come. Like, I'd do a pull-up like this and be like. And that was it. That's all I had was. And I could feel myself straight, but I wasn't moving. And, um, but this week, I did three of those. So, um, kind of exciting uh, just to tell you about my fitness uh, exploits. <laughs> Why am I talking about this now? Well, The the difference between Stephen barely doing two pull-ups and Stephen doing five masterful pull-ups, really impressive-looking pull-ups, is working out. When I started, I had these muscles, but I never worked them out. I never worked them out. So I've been working at it, little by little, day by day, just it's, it's sort of the, just the, the simple things, and now my muscles are significantly stronger. Um, friends, like this is, this is what the Bible's telling us. God has put these spiritual muscles in you, and I know it's hard. I know it's hard to step out in faith and trust God and tithe. I know it's hard to try to say, "Wait a minute." Okay, let me relook at my budget and see what areas I need to, you know, to cut to be able to make room for margin in my life. I, I understand that, but but now I hope that you understand that this is a spiritual battle. Okay, your finances are a spiritual aspect of your life. Okay, and the only way that you can grow, and I'm not talking about growing to have more money, although that might happen. But there's no promise that that's going to happen. But but so much more important is that you don't need to make more money to have financial margin in your life. Okay, you just need to build your margins. Okay, and again, we'll talk more about this. Sometimes we need somebody else to look in um, to be able to say, okay, look, I love you to death, but maybe this is an area that you can trim, right? I mean, sometimes we need somebody else looking in because we're just too close to it. Um, but the point is that I want you to work out the spiritual muscles that God has worked into you. Because if you do that, not only will you know God better, because God will show up as you step out in faith and spend the way God has asked you to spend, you will grow closer to him and you will build financial margin. There are people that you know, there are people that you know in this church who don't struggle with finances, okay? Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that they have everything that they want. It doesn't mean that they uh, don't struggle to sometimes make ends meet. But they're not constantly worried because they have margin in their lives. That's what Jesus wants for us. Okay? And one of the best ways for this to happen is for us to work out our salvation. But there's one other thing. There's one other significant way that we are going to begin to do this as a church, okay? This is big news. I'm about to reveal something that we're going to do that's different from what we've done up to this point. So, um, uh, so starting in September, so starting on September 1st, um, as a session with our elders, we've made a decision that we are going to begin to receive a weekly offering during our Sunday service, okay? Up to this point in time, we have asked y'all to give Um, We've asked you to support the church, and we've used these offering boxes. Um, And that's been the way that a lot of you have given. A lot of you, I know, give online and give in other ways, which I totally understand. But um, we are going to move starting September 1st. We figured we'd give you a couple weeks. We'd talk about it before we just sort of spring it on you. I want to give you some time to prepare. And really, we want you to prepare. Um, and, And we're doing this. We're making this move because we know that from what Jesus is saying, What Jesus is saying is that part of the key to not being enslaved to mammon is to worship God, right? And so we want to help you to be able to worship God in the area of your finances. And so when we do this, and at this point, our plan is to do it after the sermon, before communion. And so we're gonna actually create a time in our service where you get to respond to God and you get to worship him with your money. And so, whether or not you give on Sundays or you give in another way, we're gonna have a time in our service where we're all gonna get to reflect. Because let me tell you something, um, I can't tell you how many people (laughs) I've talked to who have said, yeah, you know what, I give, but I give online, and you know what, I actually never really think about it. It's just a check that gets written or it's an automatic thing that happens, and I just never think about it, it just happens. And in some ways, I think God sees that it honors it, I mean, significantly, to make a decision to do that and that it, it just happens on its own automatically. I totally understand the need to, like that's a way to build a margin. Like, okay, I'm just gonna decide to do this. But it's so much less than we can do. Because if you give online, then guess what? Every week on Sunday in our service, you're gonna have a time to remember, God, I have worshiped you with my money. God, I love you so much that I have given you the gifts that I've given online. Or, Lord, I am so excited to be able to put this in the offering basket that gets passed down because it's part of my worship. You know, and so whether you want to bring your, your worship, you bring your financial gifts to the church and offer them on Sunday in our offering, you can do that. Or if you just want to take the time. And, uh, and each week, we're going to actually remind ourselves as a church family about a different aspect of what it means to worship God with our money. And so I'm really, really excited. I don't think I've, like, I've been to churches that have done this really well, and our hope is that this becomes another enhancement to your ability to worship God with all of your life. That's what you're going to experience. Um, and, uh, and so if you have questions, please, you can talk to me. You can talk to one of the elders. We can talk to you more about that. But, um, but I know for us, this is going to, Again, it's just going to help us to do, for some of us, it's going to be doing what we're already doing and being much more intentional about it. It's going to take it from being something that's just sort of rote to becoming an act of worship. And then for others of you, you may realize, oh, you know what, okay, yeah, I'm going to begin to give. I'm going to begin to do this because I'm being reminded of it when I'm here in church. And so either way, um, this is going to be a chance for us to worship God in this area so that when we gather on Sundays, we are building financial margin in our lives. We are being set free from the God of money, right? From the God mammon. And so, yeah, that's going to start in September 1st. And yeah, I just, I hope you will join me in my excitement um, because I think it's going to change all of us. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do, we come now and we confess to you that the margin in our lives, the financial margin in our lives, uh, for so many of us, it's small. It's small, Lord, and we confess that uh, we have not been following you. Um, We have overspent, we have overextended ourselves, we have believed the false gospel that more will make us happy. And we confess that to you. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us. And we thank you for Jesus, that when he came, he was fully devoted to you. He had perfect financial margin. He had perfect margin in every area of his life. And we know that we come to you not because we've done well in this area, but because Jesus was perfect in this area. Father, we don't want to worship anything but you. You alone deserve worship. We thank you that while Mammon continues to say more, that we need a little bit more, we thank you that in the gospel, you say to us that we already have everything that we need. God, thank you for the gift of contentment. Help us to walk in this. Help us to walk and work out what you have worked in. And I pray too, Lord, that for those of us who are really struggling in this area, uh, would you please help us to not struggle alone? Father, help those who are struggling here today to connect with a friend, to connect with one of our leaders, um, to get help so that they're just not alone, so that somebody knows what they're going through. God, you've made us part of your family. We're brothers and sisters, and so help us to, to walk as a family. And Lord, I pray too for those who are here who don't know you. God, would you show them that Jesus is the pathway not just to financial freedom, but he's the pathway to freedom in every area, freedom from sin. Help them to realize that the sense that this makes of our money, Lord, you do that in every area of our lives. So encourage them, Lord, to follow you and help them to know that you have given your life so that they can be forgiven and reconciled to you. And all of this, God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.